0: When you stop being in sort of the family planning mode, it took me a year, but I kind of started to open up and think about, okay, I'm done with this phase of my life. What else do I really wanna be doing? What impactful and meaningful work do I wanna do? And can I do it while working and not just working, but doing a good job in my existing role to make sure that I'm providing for my family?
1: Welcome to The 43%, I'm Claudia Reuter. This show forgets about the leaning in or leaning out debate and talks to successful women about their path toward creating a life that includes both family and career. Our name is a nod to the fact that 43% of women do leave the workforce at some point when they have children. We all have our takes on why and what might be done to better support working mothers. In this show, though, we explore a wide range of experiences and ideas. That was today's guest, Erica Hobe. Erica is an account director for Viral Gains and the co-founder of More, a purpose-driven consulting firm focused on providing subject matter expertise and best-in-class inclusion practices for working moms. She's also a board member at Helping Mamas and a mother of three young children. Erica was also an early sales employee at Twitter and was a founding member of their first Parents Employee Resource Group, which is an internal initiative to support families at work. In our conversation, she shared her career pathway into sales, her passion for supporting and empowering women at work, advice for people navigating these decisions, and advice for companies interested in supporting working parents.
2: Erica, thanks so much for joining today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so I was wondering if you could start out by just sharing a little bit about what your day is like right now, what your family situation is, and what your work situation is.
0: Yes, so I am a mom of three boys, ages almost six, three, and 16 months, so we are in it. My house is a disaster. I will not be investing in our interior for the next 13 years. And work-wise, I just started a consulting firm called Moore, which means mother in Danish and Swedish, that I know we're going to talk a little bit more about on this podcast. But I also have a day job, if you will, at a video technology company called Viral Games.
2: Awesome. And so what is that day like? If you don't mind sharing, you know, what does a typical Monday look like for you right now? Yes. That's a great question.
0: So up at 6.30 or so to get my oldest on the bus, he's in kindergarten. And then there's some downtime there with my littlers, my littler humans between when um, our nanny comes, which I'm so grateful for. But it's nice to have that time in the morning with them before your standard workday starts. And then it's getting myself into work mode, trying to find a place in my home that is quiet to get some work done. And then Throughout the week, it's balancing activities and self-care and two jobs um, and time with my husband and all of those things. So I, I don't like the term busy. I think that busy has kind of become sort of this this negative term that people use to sort of quantify their their value. And so my life is full. My life is full. We do a lot of things. I feel happy. Uh, with my situation, with my children, but it, it's a full a full week every week.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know I definitely relate to that. I call it living life to the fullest. Right? <laughs> so can you kind of walk me back a little bit into one, you shared that you're working at a, a software startup right now, and then you also have a consulting business. Can you share a little bit about what, what that looks like? the uh, the balance between the two, um, and more specifically, what each one is like. What is what is your day like with those with those opportunities?
0: So the startup is called More. It's a, a consulting firm that's focused on helping companies really realize the value in their working mom employees, uh, and that started because during my time at Twitter, I was a working mom. I had my first and second sons working at Twitter and was very grateful for the progressive paid leave policy that we had there. It was 16 weeks for my first child and 20 weeks for my second child. But with a long period of time off work, their support on the front end and back end, that I think is really crucial to the success of making sure that those working moms feel supported and also that their teams feel supported too. So Mm -hmm. when I came back from my first child, I started some work with the The VP of HR there, along with my partner at Moore, Emily, and we founded, along with two other women, the Twitter Parents Employee Resource Group, that helped sort of fill in the gaps in some of these areas where progressive paid leave is great, but how are we really supporting the moms coming back to work we were in charge of? breast milk shipping, uh, the pilot program there for trips over 48 hours. What
2: is that again? I'm not familiar
0: with that. Yes. Yeah, so we piloted a program, one of the first of its kind, where it's a funny story, but where we now, Twitter now allows nursing moms to ship their breast milk home if they're on trips that are over 48 hours because the volume of breast milk at that point just kind of gets very unmanageable. So oh, wow! We piloted this program At a sales conference one year, and we had the moms come to my hotel room, get their boxes. We had step-by-step directions on how to insulate and tape up your boxes. And then the morning of the last day of sales conference, I I literally went around to everyone's room and delivered their dry ice. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, to to wrap everything up for the trip home um which is great and obviously that was a bit clunky but now there's amazing programs like milk store could help with that too and know FedEx has a solution that's temperature controlled also but that was our that was one of our programs that we're really proud of and the funny story around it
2: as well that's amazing <laughs> it's one of those things that that's an, a perfect example of something. I don't think a lot of people are thinking about like the, there's logistics of getting your kids around, but then there's also the logistics of your own milk. <laughs> like, it's just, it's amazing. Exactly. Um, so so that was one of the initiatives. What were some of the other things you were working on there? So we did a mommy mentorship program. So pairing new
0: moms with uh, moms currently working at Twitter to sort of mm-hmm. help with the process and the challenge. And, at that time, um, when I had my first child, we were pre-IPO, and then after that, we were um, we were early stage IPO. So it was a really stressful and, and busy time to be there. There's a lot of pressure, and I think managing the travel and the work around it. Um, I should have mentioned that I. Ran the Twitter Parents Employee Resource Group, but I also carried a bag as a salesperson as well, so having to travel so much, um, especially on the sales side was a real challenge for a lot of moms and also feel like you're doing a good job while you're not sleeping and all of those things as well. So it was really opening up the conversation uh, round ta- round tables with moms in different offices around their challenges, making sure that the benefits that we were offering were universal. We had several global offices as well too, getting their impact, um, having calls with Australia. Uh, to make sure we were supporting them in the right way and, and all of those things. So it really was a, a larger initiative to make sure that on a global scale, uh, we weren't just doing what what we could do in the US, but we were making sure that our moms across the globe really felt supported and um, empowered to do their best work and be their best parents at Twitter.
1: When it comes to marketing your business, I know it's all about reaching the right audience at the right time and connecting with them when your message will resonate the most. So if you want to target your customers where they are engaging every day and when they're ready to make a decision, LinkedIn can help you. When you advertise on LinkedIn, the world's largest professional network, you have the ability to build long-term relationships with your customers. Those relationships often translate into high quality leads, website traffic, and higher brand awareness. What's the first step? Talking to the right audience. With a community of over 575 million professionals on LinkedIn, including me, you have access to a diverse group of people searching for the things they need to grow professionally. LinkedIn has the marketing tools to help you target your audience with precision, down to their job title, company name, and industry. Because better targeting equals a message your customers care about, which in turn leads to more trust built with your customers. In fact, four out of five customers who are on LinkedIn are the decision makers at their company, so you're building relationships that really matter. To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash the 43%. That's linkedin.com slash T-H-E-4-3-P-E-R-C-E-N-T for your free $100 ad credit terms and conditions apply.
2: Sales is a perfect example of a career path that, uh, you know, it's sales is a great career, right? And if you're skilled at it, and you can build those relationships, but it does require a lot of travel. And sometimes it's hard to navigate that after you've had children. So I think it's, it's amazing that you still continue to do that. And you develop new systems for other people to benefit from this as well. So where did that journey lead on to the next phase? Like at what point did you move on from Twitter?
0: Yes. So I moved on in October, 2016 from Twitter. And then I worked at one company and then found my way to viral games, which is where I'm at now. Uh, It's a video tech startup. Mm -hmm. And I had my third child at Viral Games, and I think the finality of having my third and final child, we've decided that that's what he is. He's lovely and wonderful, but he is our last one. Um, when you stop being in sort of the the family planning mode, you, it took me a year, but I kind of started to open up and think about, okay, I'm done with this phase of my life. What, what else do I really want to be doing? What impactful and meaningful work do I want to do? And can I do it while working and and not just working, but doing a good job in my existing role to make sure that I'm, you know, providing for my family. So mm-hmm. um, around August last year, I called up my co-founder of Twitter Parents, Emily, and I said, I think I'm ready to get back into this. She and I had kept in touch after we both left Twitter around the same time and said, I think we always knew that we would find each other again when the time was right. Uh, and she said, I think I'm ready as well. And we spent the next five or so months sort of figuring out what we really wanted to offer and what it looked like and where we could apply our skill set. And the fact that we had done this work before, Uh, Emily had also built out the entire employee resource group strategy at Lyft. So she had that under her, her belt as well, too. She had done it twice now. Really focusing on what what that looked like, building a company, and if it was feasible with our current jobs. Emily also is in the process of a move right now, so she's she's going through a lot of life transitions. So we really came together in December and sat down and had a good forty eight hours together where we fleshed everything out, and we launched in February. And so far, it's been um, it's been a challenge balancing both companies, but. I think it's really interesting when you put something out in the universe that you really want how things sort of become manageable if you're Mm -hmm. able to really focus and divide your time
2: on the things that you need to. I totally understand what you're saying. I was talking to someone the other day who is saying, you know, it's very easy to think there's not enough time in the day, but often there is if you really break it down. And where there's a will, there's a way often. So now with this new initiative that you have in your spare time, where do you see the impacts happening? Do you see uh, this translating into being able to retain more employees who are in this situation and having kids, or is it increasing engagement scores? Like, how, where do you see the the outcomes associated with this type of work? Both of those things. Yeah. Um, so
0: there is a ton of research out there that supports both those things you mentioned, Claudia. Uh, when it comes to attracting and retaining talent. Uh, Perks and benefits, um, and more of a, a culture, cultural experience working at a company have become increasingly important. Important to especially the millennial generation, who's going to be majority of our workforce, and about you know. 15 years. So being able to outwardly say when you are in the process of recruiting or interviewing that you have this policy in place designed to help moms or parents, because with the work that we do can easily be transitioned into a you know a more holistic parental strategy as well. It means a lot. It goes a long way when bringing talent on board. Additionally, if you are doing this correctly, you can retain working moms as well, too. I think that the, the X factor there is that no one before they have a child really knows the kind of person they're going to be after they have a child, and not having the flexibility to really become or evolve into that that person in your job is one of the biggest challenges that moms run into. Additionally, there's also factors like not being able to afford to not work um, or go back to work if you have a child, if you're in lower income brackets as well. So, being able to really focus on putting together a strong paid leave strategy, but not just that the support before, the support and after for mom, and then the support for the teams covering that work while mom is out on leave can really, you know, exponentially increase productivity, efficiency at work, and um, the ability to attract and retain talent.
2: Cool. so you mentioned one of the ideas that you worked on was the idea of shipping breast milk and that obviously you know is one of those challenges that people often aren't even aware is really a challenge until you're in it what are some of the other tactics you've put out there other methodologies you've created to to help make things easier for working moms
0: yeah so there's a bunch I'll try to I'll try to keep these brief uh, one of them is really focusing on the working hours of the company so understanding that Parents have a hard stop during the day for childcare, um, or you know, there's an earliest point that in the day that you could drop off children at childcare. So it's really focusing uh, your your meeting hours at your company on times that make sense or can be um, made by working parents. There's lots of other time during the day that you could have your individual time. You know, I as a parent come home after um, after work, I put my kids to bed, and I'm usually back on my computer, but I have the flexibility to do my job in a way that makes sense for me. Mm -hmm. If you simply uh, think about it in a way that, well, if she needs to go pick up her child, she doesn't have to be on this call. That's, That's not sufficient because you're effectively removing her from her seat at the table, right? So even if you think that you're doing the right thing as a company saying, well, you don't have to be on because you know you have a child, you're actually taking away her responsibility or her ability to make an impact because you aren't uh, thinking about the time that she's taking away from work that she wants to be there for by creating an environment that's more conducive to her contributing and being able to do her job well.
2: And you know, I think one of the things I've heard as a th- as common thread in a lot of conversations lately is that I think sometimes we as women feel like, well, you know, child care is our responsibility, and you know, if there's that meeting happening, part of our, our job becomes to figure it out. But if I'm hearing you, what you're saying is that sometimes the way the structures of childcare are created, whether it's when daycare ends or how long your nanny's working for, it's some, unless you have someone literally living with you, it's not it's not that cut and dry, right?
0: No, and even if, you, even if you split childcare duties or pickup duties with your spouse, there's lots of times when someone is traveling or not. You just, as a company, I think it can be so much easier and so much more effective. And the loyalty um, and desire to continue working at your company will uh, increase so much if you think about parents in that way, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Are there any other other ideas that you've put out there that you think have really resonated with women and with the corporations that you're serving in that way?
0: So there's a, there's a lot of work as you could, you know, um, being done on the policy side, U.S. is one of the only countries in the world that doesn't have um, a government-supported paid leave policy, mm-hmm. uh, and so there's a lot of work being done on the policy side. the The issue is that it has not been translated into why having strong support for working parents is actually good for business. Mm-hmm. So. And one of the things that keeps coming up in our conversations that we've had with many individuals and companies before is that, well, I can't afford to lose someone for 12 weeks or 10 weeks. I can't afford it. Um, And that's not true because there's lots of other ways to incent the team covering the work that doesn't equal a one-to-one payoff, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's ways to think about a cultural shift that allows the coverage team to feel included and supporting them with growth opportunities um, a lot of the work that or a lot of the times that this has not gone well is when uh, having a baby to company is presented like a burden on the rest of the team which is just an unfortunate situation across the board for the mom and the parent and the manager and the company as well so it's thinking about that mm-hmm. um, a little bit differently I won't go into specifics because that's <laughs> a little bit of our business model but ways to kind of Uh, approach that a little bit differently. And understanding that women, well, after you have a child, there's research that shows that your brain kind of recalibrates to be more efficient. So if you're doing this the right way, uh, working moms coming back to work are more effective and efficient workers for your team as well too. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, um, I still am not bought in. If this mom that you have employed does not come back to work, it's going to take 50 to 200% of her salary to find a new employee. So when you think about it in that way, is that 10, 12, 8-week paid leave time that you're giving them worth it? Mm -hmm. right? Because it's such a a low cost compared to what
2: you would lose if you don't empower this person to come back to work and fully do their job the way that they can. So interesting. And the idea that you just brought up, uh, you know, based on research that your brain recalibrates after you have a baby and and in some cases you become better able to multitask or have higher functioning capabilities or whatnot. And it's so interesting that you're saying the research points to that. And yet so many women have a confidence gap when they're coming back. And it's interesting to think about why there's such a disconnect there between the level of confidence that people have when they're returning to work and their own ability to achieve. Because I've certainly hired a number of women over the years who um, you know, have, have stepped out for a period of time and, and go on to be incredibly successful and are incredibly hardworking and, and do a great job. Yes. Are there any examples in your personal experience of where you've you've benefited from a type of policy that you've initiated now at this point and had it positively impact your job, or situations where you wished you had had it and then it became a struggle for you?
0: Yeah. So um, I work for a small startup now, and our our policy um, is not what what I had at Twitter's, Um, and it you know it affects. It affects your bottom line certainly if you're taking 12 weeks like I did and not getting paid for all of them. That's that's a real challenge and it's something that really hits you financially, right? I I feel fortunate that um, it didn't impact us to the point of um, you know necessarily having to lose anything or, or rethink about our lifestyle. Our lifestyle. Fortunately, I have a working spouse as well who um, who was able to kind of carry some of. Uh, the load, but um, the pro- the progressive paid leave that I had at Twitter was wonderful. The time off was wonderful. I I healed. I bonded with my um, child. I knew uh, I was grateful for the time, but got to realize in my own way that I was not going to be a stay at home mom. It wasn't wasn't what I needed to do to live my best life, but again, to the point around paid leave is not enough, too. It's thinking about how um, how we're supporting the entire motherhood journey, right? Being able to uh, help moms put together a plan where they're at, where they feel confident that their job will be done, um, having a team that is supportive and excited um, for the mom and is willing to step in and, and get things done, and then allowing that person, especially as a first-time parent, to evolve and become who they are and and feel comfortable having dialogue on what is or is not working. To your point, Claudia, about confidence, I think we go back to work and we have this pressure to be the exact same person we were before. And that's that's not the reality. We have a tiny human that's relying on us and our, our, our partner to live and things are different. doesn't mean that we're not as effective. It doesn't mean that we're not working as hard. It just means that we're working very differently and and the challenges that companies aren't necessarily acknowledging that right now are putting in the processes in place to support a, a good paid leave policy.
2: So do you mind taking me back to, I mean, I understand you were at Twitter before where you are today but how, where did, how did you get to Twitter? Like, what was your career path? Where were you when you were in college? What did you think you would be doing? And is this in line with that? No, it's not. <laughs> I don't, I, I thought about this before in
0: my own time. And I I thought even further back to when you're, you know, you're having sleepovers with your girlfriends when you're younger and talking about what you want to be. And I, I don't know if I had any sort of straight trajectory. In college, I majored in a couple of things. One was psychology, one was early childhood um, education. Mm -hmm. I ended up graduating with a degree in in journalism, uh, broadcast journalism, and and a minor in business. Um, But I knew that I always, I think, at that point after college, just because of um, the work I had done uh, with lifeguarding, which doesn't seem applicable, but swim coaching um, working, uh, as a waitress, all those things that was the communication I really enjoyed. So, uh, a transition into sales was a natural thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first job out of college was actually at UPS selling shipping solutions, which is, um, a company is amazing, uh, great benefits, really a wonderful team and, and probably the best manager I ever had, but shipping solutions is, is not my calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, my boyfriend now husband was uh, working for a small ad tech startup and I could see the really amazing creative things that company was doing and the impact it was having on really the advertising ecosystem. So I transitioned there and I, um, I started working for um, After another stint in, in uh, IT security, I um, started working for our uh, large newspaper down here, which is Atlanta Journal-Constitution on the digital side, selling ad sales, um, which is a great step into the digital landscape. And you learned um, all the lingo and the ways advertising was sold on the digital side. Um, and then the opportunity to work for Twitter, Rose because they were opening an office down in Atlanta. So I was, um, I started as an account manager. I uh, was the eighth person on the East Coast of Twitter, uh, which was an amazing experience. So I was in really early stage startup, and uh, the experience was unlike anyone, unlike anything I could really describe. There was just so much, um, there was such a family feeling we were all hustling we were all working a ton but we all had this purpose-driven focus that was twitter mm-hmm. which was it was connect everyone across the planet and we were really driving toward that so those days were amazing but I was you know I was married but I had no children I had all the time in the world to give to my job right um and and so I did and it was again, it was an amazing experience. And, and after I had my child, that all that kind of changed because I didn't have all the time in the world and I was tired. Um,
2: And it's interesting that, you know, you've had this career path, but you mentioned that when you were in college, you had, you know, studied psychology, you'd also studied early childhood. What, um, what, if anything, do you think your studies of early childhood, uh, like how did that potentially impact some of the the consulting or or business work that you're doing today?
0: That's an interesting connection
2: that I think to this
0: moment I probably did not put together. Um I I think there's there's um it is impacting me and I think it's causing me to think about things um on a a level of parenting where I want my children to feel very comfortable being themselves. Um, and part of that is having, um, a parent who does the same. Um, and I think that, uh, what I, the best example I can set for my children is being happy and content with the work I'm doing. And as I mentioned previously, I knew early on that being a stay at home mom was not, um, not going to be the path that was most fulfilling for me and allowed me to be the best parent I could be. Mm-hmm. So them seeing me have, um, them seeing me work is important because I can be better for them. But then I, I also am proud that someday I'll get to tell them when they understand that um, my goal was to also help other women continue in their workforce by helping their companies realize that they are valuable employees because um, sometimes if you are managed out of the work environment, you talked about this earlier too, Claudia, that it can be an intimidating process to get back in, um, you know, because of a lack of confidence, because of feeling that you no longer have the skill set to re-enter the workforce or or any of those things. So if you are content staying um, and you don't have that option, that's an issue, right? Because you're going to not be your best self. So it's, being able to provide the option and help moms and their companies uh, really continue to
2: help this contingency thrive. Yeah. So, and you also studied psychology and then you ended up in sales, which takes, I mean, to me sales is also relationship building as much as it is anything else, right? It's, it's understand. And so do you mind actually sharing a little bit about that? Like, what do you, you've obviously had a lot of success as someone in sales and, for a company like Twitter, early on, and um, obviously, what what are some of the things that you found are are crucial to being successful in sales? I think it's just really listening and understanding the problem that you're trying to solve.
0: So um, so much about sales is selling a solution, but you you can't sell a solution without understanding the problem. So so much of the work I do now and the work I've done in the past is just one on one time having people tell me their challenges in the particular space I'm able to help in. Um, and then it becomes more of a conversation and a friendship and a relationship. Too. You're talking about things that matter and that are important. You're not talking about products. You're not talking about ad units. You're not talking about any of those things. It just becomes a much more authentic and genuine relationship. Um, and I think the other thing is that you have to care. You have to really care about the work that you're doing. If, you have to believe in the solution that you're selling as well too. And you have to really be invested in making these, um, these connections and being part of a, a personal experience, not just, not just selling the product.
2: Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, obviously you had, you, you, it sounds like you created an opportunity to jump into ways that you could improve things for working parents at Twitter. And now you've got a side, um, business where you're, you're really jumping into this with both feet, so to speak, you know, a lot of times in the tech world, there's, you know, there's a lot of stories out there on how it's very, you know, young guy in hoodie CEO type. And, um, it's not necessarily always seen as something that's incredibly friendly to, to women. Um, you know, what, where do you feel like, was there a male mentor that engaged with you or was it a female mentor? Like, where did you find, the courage or tenacity to say, not only am I going to continue to do a good job here post-motherhood, you know, starting, but I'm going to actually, you know, think of ways to improve this situation for other moms. You know, was there anyone who, or a type of person who made that an easier thing for you to do? Yes. So when we connected, um, I'm trying to remember
0: how the exact process happened, but as I mentioned, I got back and and I realized right away that there was a bit of a gap in support for her moms coming back to work. And I didn't really have anyone who was a new mom to talk to in my office. I was at a smaller office uh, down in Atlanta around my challenges. Um, so I was connected through the VP of HR to other women who were going through similar things. Um, and at that point, I think we all realized the four of us through our conversations that, that there was something much bigger and much more important here that we could be doing that if we could elevate, we started off as Twitter Twitter moms, but if we could become more inclusive and elevate our status to something that was recognized as as an employee resource group Mm -hmm. at Twitter, um, we would be able to have impactful conversations uh, with high-level leadership, with an executive sponsor, and really start to get some things done. And that's what we did because we were there so early. We were able to take the reins. Um, and because Twitter was such a young company, so young and, and that it wasn't very old as a company, but young and that so many of the employees there were were just, just getting married and then just started having children, it's a much different environment now. Um, there wasn't a lot of uh, emphasis around this right now because the need wasn't there. So I think it's an important exercise in understanding that change changemakers uh, – change-making can happen internally if you're loud enough. And we were fortunate enough to be able to form an employee resource group that, by definition, allowed us to continue surfacing our challenges challenges and concerns, allowed us to have budget around some of the projects that we wanted to do, some of which we got funded by sales, right, because it was um, one of the organizations most impacted by moms leaving. Um, but we really had a direct line to the executive team with our with our wants and needs and our requests, and it made it—I um, wouldn't say necessarily easier, but it made it far more organized—and
2: probably gave us a much louder voice than we would have if we, we had not galvanized. Got it. So this was really a a group, you know, a group endeavor that that you felt empowered to bring this up, and obviously a leadership role on your part to bring this forward. Yes. So, you know, you described some of your path to get here. And right now you mentioned that you're, you obviously still have little kids and you have a nanny in the house and you have a supportive partner. Um, Have you ever had any situations that you can think of where you've just, despite having all the childcare figured out, you know, kids still manage to bleed into the work environment or vice versa? Um, Do you mean besides the fact that I'm pulled
0: up in my bathroom right now? (laughs) (laughs) recording this podcast because I work (laughs) remote? Um, you know, I I think that I I like seeing my kids throughout the day. Um, they make me happy. I like occasionally to go down to the bus and get my oldest son off the bus if I have a quick gap. Um, but I think the challenge is that once you once you present yourself, it's expected that you're going to be there. So, um, I you know I think that being in the house, hearing their hearing their noises, um especially if a child is sick, I have sort of made it a rule, um, that we as parents will take our children to the doctors because I just think it's really important for us to be around them when they're sick and and be taking on that, that challenge. So, you know, there was a four or five week period where I was at the doctor's twice a week last year, Mm. um, because that's just, that's just how things go. Uh, but bleeding into work, I think is an interesting question. I think that they make me better at my work because my time is so valuable and I want to be done as someone who works from home. I want to be done immediately um, when our nanny goes home so I can be there for them. So it makes me really, I think, uh, be laser focused throughout the day and what I want to achieve. Um, And sometimes it also means going to a coffee shop and not being present at all.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I understand hiding in the bathroom too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's how, you know, a lot of people feel too. After I rem- recently, actually I was talking to someone who, um, it, it doesn't have kids yet. And, you know, they were exhausted because they had been up late. And I remember thinking back to when I was that age in my twenties and how, I would feel so tired. And now as a parent, I'm like, I don't have no idea what I was so tired about on, you know, what did I need to sleep in for on that Saturday? Um, so there is like an energy that comes with, with having purpose and focus in your day. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, any advice that you would share with a younger, your younger self or with other women who are contemplating all these choices and decisions in front of them now?
0: Yes. I think that um, especially. Throughout the process of becoming a parent, even if it's not on your immediate radar, if you're looking to go to a new company or get a job, I would absolutely ask about what kind of policies and processes they have in place to support a next step that you're taking. So if you're thinking about, um, if you're thinking about parenthood, if you're thinking about, you know, an entrepreneurial or business school opportunity, any of those things um, that are on your mind, ask the company that you're interviewing with to talk a bit more about what they have to support that person you want to become. Um, And because you don't you don't know especially as a parent how you're going to feel once you have a child i i was i had these grandiose plans of um being a great cried out mom and you know having weekly touch points with my manager when i was on leave and all of these things that just went completely by the wayside as soon as i held my son in my arms so you don't know what to expect i would say Make sure that if it's on your radar and something you want, plan for it. Ask questions, and if it's not where you want it to be, ask why not, and ask what they can do for you. If you are someone they really want to onboard, it's worth them rethinking this process or this policy that they have in place. Um, or it's, it's you know hopefully they're thinking about it um, to support all of their employees. But it's if they want to give, make an exception for you as well too, you need to ask for it. Um, and then, as it relates to that, don't commit to anything uh, that you think that you will be before you go out on leave that you can't take back. Right? So have the power to say, um, "I'm going to be radio silent on my leave. I'm going to take it in full. I'm going to need this time to myself, and don't feel pressured to be present or to do any work or to do anything because even though you might feel like you can, and you might end up doing it." Um, you might not as well, too. So give yourself the opportunity to really take care of yourself and your child and find a company
2: um, that supports you doing that uh, right away as soon as you can if you're on onboarding. That's really helpful to think about because I think so many of us don't, you know, think about that leave um, and have no idea what to expect until you're in it. And it's um, it, it is it's life changing for a reason, right? Um, well anything else you'd like to share right now about either your consulting work or about, um, you know, it, it, you know, stories that might be helpful for other people out there right now. Otherwise, you know, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it.
0: I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, if there's anyone out there who who does own a company, um, I think it's just, it's really important to listen to your employees and make sure that you're getting a good gauge on how they're thinking about and feeling about their benefits and processes around this particular issue, which is, you know, becoming a parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think oftentimes there's a gap between how well leadership thinks they're doing and what the um, what the reality is on the ground. So uh, if you are looking to invest in something like this or a culture that does support working parents, make sure that you're talking to the parents, make sure that you're getting honest feedback and make sure that you're taking that feedback and making actionable changes with it, not just the lip service. And of course, more can help with that. But generally speaking, I think that's an important part of retaining your employees, onboarding really strong talent and making sure that your working parents feel like they can thrive at your company.
2: That's awesome. Thanks, Erica. Thanks so much for making the time today and good luck with everything you're doing. It's really important. Thank you so much for having me, Claudia. All right. Awesome. Have a great one. You
1: too. Bye. That's it for this time, but we'll be back next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring woman. If you could take just a minute to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to hear these stories. The 43% is produced by me, Claudia Reuter, with additional help from the team at Critical Frequency. Our executive producer is Amy Westervelt. Episodes are mixed by Tyler Morissette, and our music is from Martin Wisenberg. You can find The 43% wherever you listen to podcasts on our website at the43percent.com or at criticalfrequency.org. Thanks again for listening and have an awesome week.